Hello guys and welcome back to the RS Weekly Podcast with me, Reese And me, Sam. Yep, we bring this podcast to you courtesy of sixmedia.co.uk, a business designed to meet all of your business needs. And we'll leave a link in the description at the end of the podcast. So, without further ado, shall we crack on? Yeah, let's get into the um, game that kicked uh, the Premier League back off, which was Aston Villa versus Sheffield United. Yep. Very, very... Uh, not the best was it no it wasn't mate. there was only really one incident in this game what we wanted to talk about one talking point and that was Norwood had a free kick for Sheffield United he'd played the ball into the box so just in case anybody hasn't seen it and if you haven't I suggest you go check it out on, on YouTube or whatever because it is it's, it's astounding it's astounding how they didn't notice um, basically the goal line technology had completely failed and Basically, what had happened is the goalkeeper had carried the ball over the line um, and the buzzer on the referee's watch didn't go off, so he didn't think it was a goal. And, of course, they never went back to review it. So, of course, they gave it as no goal. Um, Everybody in the ground could see that the keeper carried it over the line. I mean, you can see him leaning against the post and he's got the ball that's nearly behind... Well, it is behind the post. It's miles over. It's unbelievable, really. Um... That was pretty much, it wasn't a great game, I didn't think. Um, to be honest, on the predictors this week, we got it wrong, but it had 0-0 written all over it, didn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, I said 2-0 Sheffield United, uh, you went with a draw, 1-1. Uh, ben said 2-0 Sheffield United, and Jack also said 2-0. It was just a boring game, it was. It wasn't the best of games to watch, to kick off kick off the uh, Premier League restart, but... Um, the main talking point was the goal that should have been given. Now, I think it should have gone to VAR. That The referee should have gone over. The problem is, do, does the VAR cover... I don't think it covers things like that. It does, it does. Yeah, but that's what goal line technology is for. And that's what they're relying on, isn't it? But surely they should be able to go back and review that. Because it's cost Sheffield United three points. Which it, could have pushed them cost, in. Yeah, exactly. And what you was about to say, it could cost them in the long run. It could. It's a, it's a bit embarrassing, really, um, to tell you the truth. I mean, the, the, just how obvious it was, Sam. It wasn't like it was millimetres over the line. You're talking, like, so far over. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I mean, I went. I worked with a lad, Bill, he's a Sheffield United fan, and I was at work the next day. And he said, we're, we're playing one of the biggest... We're playing the biggest footballing league in the world, and they can't even get a decision like that right. It's embar- it was embarrassing. Even Jack Grealish came out and said when he went in at half time, he said, How oh, the officials have not got that? I will never know. No. But he said he was so happy that it went their way. But So on the pre- there's, there's not really a lot I can say about it to be honest, mate. So on the predictor, you went for two nil Sheffield, I went one one draw. And Ben Jack- said 2-0 Sheffield United and Jack said 2-0 Sheffield United. And we was completely wrong. Yeah, we was wrong. It wasn't a great game, to be honest. It yeah. wasn't the best game to kick off the Premier League again. Um, I could have think... I could, well, I could think of better games, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't do very well on that predictor. I, I think the, the main talking point of the game, the, it was lacking in quality throughout bits of it, but yeah. the, it was the goal, what, what should have been given... And it was it's a farce really because if that cost Sheffield United a European place, as Chris Wilder in the squad and the in the backroom said, you've got a right to feel pretty aggrieved at I'll that. Of course, really. course you have. I mean, that could be the difference between them getting millions and millions of pounds for getting in the European leagues. 
you know, into Europa League or even the Champions League, it could have been. Yeah. Um, it's looking pretty unlikely now, but yeah, very strange decision. Um, moving on to the next game, Manchester City versus Arsenal, the 8.15 kickoff on the same night on Wednesday. This is where you picked up a point. It was, mate. It was. Um, I got a correct score. I said 3-0 and how right I was and how piss poor Arsenal was. Arsenal were next to nothing to Man City. I mean, it didn't make it any better that Xhaka and Sarri went off in the base of 20 minutes and David Luiz and I can't remember who else come on for... Uh, oh, Danny Tobias, come on. David Luiz was on for 20 minutes and off he come. Straight red. Well, what, no one straight red. It was yellow, two yards and a red. The guy is an absolute joke. It is. For the first, for Man City's first goal, what he was doing, I'll never ever know. But for, the, for Man City's second... I can't even describe what he's <laughs> it's, doing. It's um, it's the sort of defending you'd see on a Sunday morning yeah. when someone's still pissed from yeah. the night before. That's what it reminded me of. I can't, David Louise, right? And I put it on Facebook, and I meant every word of it as well, that he's been stealing a living as a footballer for far too long. The only time I've ever seen him look half-decent was when he was playing for Chelsea that year they won the league under Conte because he was playing three at the back. It's because he doesn't look as exposed when he's got two other centre-halves playing alongside him. He had John Terry one side of him and... Cale. Yeah, and Gary Cale the other side. And that's why he looked decent, because he had two other people to rely on. At Arsenal, he's not got that luxury. They're not a, t- they're not a top team anymore. You say John Terry? Yeah, John Terry. No, they weren't John Terry. He was asking quite a because John Terry was injured halfway through the season. But... Um, yeah, I mean, point still being, to be honest with you, he's been stealing a living as a footballer for too long. I don't rate him at all. I've always thought if you're going to play him, play him in midfield because he can run around like an headless chicken. He has got quality on the ball. He's a good he's a good ball playing centre-half, but he can't do what you want him to do if he plays at centre-half, and that's defend. And if anyone didn't know, Arsenal just signed him on another year, one-year contract. Yeah, well, I mean, make of that what you will. I think it's an absolute farcical decision. I've never... I mean, what they're doing, I don't know. He needs to go. Arteta can clearly see something in him, but Arsenal fans are going to... Yeah, but Arteta, I mean, come on, mate. Do you know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. The guy's been stealing a living. At the end of the day, I don't think he's ever truly been a top-class defender. No. Or footballer in general. I think he's good. He's obviously got quality. You know, free kicks, corners, things like that. He's good. But anything else that you require him to do on a football pitch, he's just left found wanting, Sam. I can't understand it. I don't say I don't understand what team seeing him. No, no. You um, know, and I used to stick up for David Luiz, and I used to think, no, he's a capable footballer. He just needs to be played in the right position. But no matter where you play him, he seems to make mistake after mistake. Honestly, how he has been going for the money that he has over the years is beyond me. Um, yeah, I mean, on the predictor, you said 3-0, so you picked up a point. I said 2-1 to City. Ben said 4-2 Man City, and Jack said 3-1 to City. Apart from you winning the point, Jack was the closest yeah, on this one. Three. Just credit credit to Man City as well. And the best player on that pitch, without a shadow of a doubt, was Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, some of the stuff he was doing to Arsenal was just ridiculous. I mean, I've watched him live, man. He's an absolute joke to watch. He's, he's, he covers he's, all angles of the pitch. He's probably... 
in my opinion, he's the best player in the Premier League. He is. No, he is, he is the best player in the Premier League. But, 100%. I mean, the, he, the way he manipulates the ball, his spatial awareness, the way he can go past people, you know, his ability from free kicks, corners, his vision is world-class. And you've got to wonder, although City have been top of the tree in the last few years, they've never done it in Europe. And I always wonder if that's going to be at the back of De Bruyne's mind. Mm. I, I always wonder, is that at the back because he wants to challenge for European trophies? Which I can completely understand because he's a world-class footballer. I just think that it's probably going to come a time at City because at the end of the day he's 28, 29 now. And how many more years realistically is he going to have at that level? Um, and I'm not advocating, I'm not, I'm not saying at all that he should leave City, but I definitely think that he should have a think about his future because if they're not going to be playing Champions League football, they're going to struggle to keep hold of him. Definitely. I mean, there'll be a few players. And how do you replace somebody like that? You don't. You, you can't. No. It's you pretty can't. hard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you picked up a point on that predictor and the rest of us got zilch. Mm. Moving on to, there was no game on Thursday, so moving on to the Friday game, 6pm kickoff, Norwich City against Southampton. I will, before we get into the predictor, what a result for Southampton. I'll tell you they what, mate, as well. Southampton annihilated them. Yeah, they battered them. I mean, Nor- I, know, I know Norwich, they're pretty much gone now, Norwich, but, you know, they do play some half-decent football at times. I just think they're set up wrong. They're not set up to defend. And if and when you're a team like Norwich, who's just come up, if you're that open, you're going to concede a lot of goals. Especially with the Premier League as well, because the Premier League yeah, cause is the such an Yeah, because the players are just that bit better yeah. than the Championship. Because there's a... The, Maybe to the bottom of the, the Premier League, maybe not so much, but as you start going up, so you're looking at mid-table upwards, then you start to find out the real golfing class between teams. I mean, Southampton winning 3-0, and to be quite honest with you, it could have been more. Danny Ings, uh, Stuart Armstrong and Nathan Redmond were the goals. Ings took his goal. Well, I mean, how good has he been this season? Quality. He deserves an England call, I think. Depends on what he's like next season, mate. But he deserves a shot, at uh, least. Uh, yeah, but it dep- with the strikers that England have got, who knows? But a year, I tell you what, he hit an absolute corker in the first half. It smashed the crossbar. So unbelievable. It was so unlucky not to go in because he hit it with some power as well. And I mean, that he smashed it. Come off the crossbar, like. But, um, yeah, Southampton were... Obvious winners there. They just ran right. Yeah, they did. I think second half it started to tell. Norwich looked like they'd lost a little bit of heart. Do you know what I mean? I think, to be honest, they looked like a beaten team. The way they played against Southampton. I thought at home, it doesn't matter if they're not playing in front of fans. On your own pitch, I would expect them to give a little bit better of themselves than that. Um, I was surprised. I mean, to be honest, on the predictor, just real quick, you said 2-0, so you was pretty close. Um, I said 1-1 one, one draw because I wasn't too sure about that one I don't, with Norwich being at home I thought they're definitely going to they're going to at least try to get a result I'm not saying they didn't try but it's the quality and the distinct lack of it from Norwich that really really worried me um, I said a 1-1 one, one draw Ben said 2-1 Southampton and Jack said 3-1 so he was pretty close as well Yeah. Um, you and Jack have gone close on a few already Yeah. Um, but just just to kind of wrap that one up, Southampton, deserved winners, and what a job Hasenhutl's done. And we've mentioned it on previous podcasts, what a job he's done after that 9-0 drubbing at home against Leicester. What a job he's done to get them where they are now. Fair play to him. Yeah, and they play really good football as yeah. well. I mean, question for you, 
do you, where, well, Norwich have gone, where can you see Todd Cantwell, Max Ahrens and Timo Pukki next season? Do you reckon they'll be in the Premier League? Um, I think Max Aaron will. Max Ahrens. He, I was, think, a, he, I think was, he was Norwich's best player, I thought. Todd Cantwell could do a job for a Premier League side. I mean, obviously, as we know, I'm a United fan. And I went to the Norwich game at home when we beat them 4-0. And Norwich wasn't up to much at all. Like, I mean, the first goal went in and all, the head seemed to drop. It was like watching a kids' team, mate. Because they went 1-0 down they thought, we can't get back in this. But Todd Cantwell was their best player. He really was. He was their best player by a mile. He was the only one that looked like he could do something. Yeah. Um, and it's just a shame, really. Because they are going to lose them players. Of course they are. Because if they go down, they're going to need to get some money in. Um, I'd say Cantwell will go for, I would say, 10, 15 million quid. Oh, someone, will buy, someone will grab him. Um, Pookie, I'm not so sure about. I could see him going abroad, to be honest. Because he's played in England and Scotland for a few years well, now. Well, I, I reckon he'll stay in Norwich. But if they don't come straight back up, he'll be going. Uh, yeah, I think so. He's at that age in his career now, though, Sam, where he needs to make his mind up where he wants to yeah. go. Because, obviously, he's done well for Norwich. I'm I'm a bit concerned for Norwich. I, I I can't see them coming straight back up next season. They'd have to get a seriously good squad together to do that. Um, yeah. So nobody got the predictor result. Oh, nobody got any on the predictors there. Um, this is where I picked up a point. Eight fifteen kickoff. Tottenham versus Man United. I thought it had one one draw written all over it. To be honest, I couldn't see either team being that that much better than the other to be able to get a result. I mean, me and you watched it. Yeah, Man United were fucking horrendous first half. The first half we weren't great at all. Second half we played a hell of a lot better. It's just a shame that we need we need to go one 0 down in a game to learn. I mean, we watched the game. We'll talk about the first half. Tottenham looked like every time they went forward they were going to score. I and still then, don't think they was great though. I don't think Tottenham looked very good. There wasn't at all. there wasn't the best, but they were better than Man United first half. First half, yeah. And then second half, we just blew them away, and we should have scored. We should have scored two or three. I mean, first goal come from Stefan Bergwijn. It um, was a good run. Look, I'm not going to go all Roy Keane on De Gea. He he's made a mistake, know, and he can knows we, it. Can we just right? Everyone's the thing is, it's pissing me off about this. Right? Everyone's blaming everyone's blaming De Gea. You have to pick, you have to point fingers at Maguire as well because. Well, if you're if, an, if you go if you if don't go past Maguire, he don't score. If you're an eighty million pound defender, right, and you're and Man United pay that much for a defender, and you're getting walked past like that, questions need to be asked. Why the fuck is he getting beat like that? It's all it's all hypothetical, Sam. Because you you know you could say in one sense that Maguire shouldn't have let Bergvine past him, but. He has got past him, yeah. and he's managed to get a shot on goal. De Gea, look, I'm not excusing it. De Gea knows he should have saved that. De Gea, 99 times out of 100, saves that with his eyes closed. He just, I feel sorry for the kid being a United fan because everything he does, because he plays for United, everything he does gets magnified, yeah. magnified by 100. And this is the problem. United are always going to be up against this because people love to see them fail. And that's the truth of it. And it's a shame, really. But all it is is jealousy through the amount of titles we've won. That's what it, that's what it spawns from. And Tottenham, they've got a good squad. But I just don't... Under Mourinho, they just... I don't rate them. I don't. I, I honestly... I hope he gets what he wants in the summer. So he's able to recruit players in. And he's able to get the kind of squad together that he wants. Because otherwise, it's going to go the same way that United did. The fans are just going to turn on him real quick. Um just quickly on the predictor, you said 2-1 to Man United. 
I said 1-1 draw, so I picked up a point there. Ben said 1-0 to Tottenham, and Jack said 2-1 Man United. I generally thought Man United were going to win 2-1 as well. To be honest, we had enough chances in the second half. Um, one thing I want to touch on, Pogba, we all know he's got pure ability, right? The guy, is he's a genuinely world-class footballer when he wants to be, and that's the problem. I've been, I've been a United fan and I've been watching him ever since he's joined and obviously I've been watching United since I was a kid and I always think that lad could literally be anything he wanted to be he could do anything he's, pet, he's quick he's strong he's good in the air his technique is unreal he can pass a football long, short he can shoot he can do anything the kid has no limit to the talents that he has but something seems to get in the way of Pogba and I don't know if it's his ego, I don't know if it's the people around him that are giving him bad information, I don't know, Sam. But when he came on, he changed that game of football. I was about, I was about to say that, mate. When Pogba came on, he was different gravy. He was, he mate. Was, he he was, was probably one of the best players on the pitch. Different breed, mate. The yeah. lad is just a different breed to everybody else. Him and Bruno look a yeah. class apart from everybody. And this is the problem, and this is why United won't, and I'm telling you now, United won't challenge for a title in the next five years. Because we cannot rely on two players in midfield to do the whole work for us. It's not going to work. We need a team full of people like Bruno, like Paul Pogba, you know, and it, I really, I really, really rate Scott McTominay. I think he's been brilliant this year for us. But is he going to be that guy that drives? Well, no, probably not. He's not going to drive us to titles. He'll do well. I'd say we'll get top four. But you know, this year he's been very inconsistent for United. I will say though, I do think we've been a lot better since Christmas. We've been a lot, a lot better. We're more consistent. Ever since, at least a little. I bit, think anyway. ever since you signed Bruno, I think. He's the one that's pulled the strings. Yeah, because we needed some. United fans have been saying for years, Sam, we need somebody like that. When Carrick left, we had nobody, a playmaker. We couldn't have someone that could pass the football. So I was I was working with Mark, he's a Man United fan, and I said to him, I said, if you'd have had him, if you'd have had Bruno Fernandez, start of the season, and if you had had Rashford fit and Pogba pulling the strings, United could have been fighting for top three, top two, maybe, at a push. Because that's how good they have been since Bruno Fernandes has come in. He, he is the one that's... He's a fan favourite, without a shadow of a doubt. You ask any United fan who their favourite players for United right now, and they'll say Bruno Fernandes. He is the one that is pulling the strings there. But you need to get Pogba on his... You need... On his day, you need Pogba at his best. Not, oh, I'll play two good games and slack off the next two games. No, you need to be consistent. Consistent all the time. I understand. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, and I it, it's frustrating watching United because I remember United winning fucking leagues and Champions Leagues and stuff, and now you, you're watching a, stru- a team struggling. Oh, believe me, I do as well. But, I um, remember that real well. Yeah, let's uh, get off Man United because let's get on to the next game, which Watford, was the Saturday. Yeah, game. Saturday, 12 30 kickoff, Watford versus Leicester. 1 um, 1 draw. This game didn't get interested until the 90th minute. Yeah, bit bit sad really. Both teams very, very slow out the blocks. I mean, Watford especially really need to pick up points and they look poor. I mean, we was golfing and I kept my hand scoring. It was just nil-nil until the 90th minute. Well, you was golfing. I was hobbling around the golf course. Mm. But um, You said 3-1 Leicester on this. I said 2-1 Leicester. Ben went 3-1 Leicester and Jack said 2-0 Leicester. So it was all wrong. It was all wrong. It was um, 1-1. Yeah, it was 1-1. I think a point, Chilwell's goal was decent. <laughs> so was Watford's. Both Dor- goals were Dawson, decent. Dawson's was a decent goal, to be fair. Um, 
It, it surprised me that both teams were so slow out the blocks we needing to win the game. It was a little bit surprising that the game didn't get exciting. Especially at Leicester as well, when you push in for Champions League spots as well. They've not been great though. I don't think since probably since January, February time, they've not been at the best. No. They've faltered a little bit to be honest, because they started so well. They did. Um I mean fair play to them. Look, they deserve a Champions League spot this year. Oh yeah. And, and, I agree and, with and I'll be one of them people that's rooting for them in the Champions League, I will, because I love Leicester. You know, a lot to do with the owner and everything he did for the football club and and we all know what happened there and it's just so sad but I'm love I, I love to see that being carried on. I love to see him doing it for him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because it, it, it's not just for the football club, mate. I could go on forever about all the things he did for Leicester as an area. He pumped millions and millions into that place. You know, renovated the hospital, paid for everything. You know, it was, it, the guy was pure class. Um, and unfortunately, the good people in this life get taken first, mate. Yeah. Um, but I am happy for Leicester. I'm really happy to see him up there again. Yeah. Um, moving on to the three o'clock game on Saturday. Brighton versus Arsenal. Now... There's only one thing I want to talk about in this game because, again, I thought it showed a distinct lack of quality. Injury to Burnt Leno. Nasty. Nasty injury. Yeah, you say it's a nasty injury, but it can't be that bad because he's only out four weeks. He's not. He's looking at four years. No, he's not. He's four to six weeks. He'd come out of Sky Sports News every day. Well, it said a full year. I looked at it on here. It said a full year. Honestly, I haven't looked four to six weeks. Well, anyway, it was a nasty injury. Neil Mopé was at the centre of it. Now, I don't really know the, the part that he played in the injury. Have you actually watched it? But Gwen, no. But Gwen Doozy's actions, to me, he needs to be reprimanded for that. He had well, no reason to do that. Well, apparently, Mopé came out in his interview and said that they were giving him shit. Yeah, they were giving him stick all so game. So all Mopé did was turn around and said... Um, something to do with you want to get in my you want to get on my end all game that's what you get for that's that's called karma or something like that but I think Gwendozi should be fine for what he did to Mopé I don't let you know I've, I've said it before not on podcast I've said it to I can't stand Gwendozi he's a very overrated footballer for me and I don't care if he's a young player or not I just don't like him as a footballer I can't stand him I think he's arrogant you can tell he's French Um just very arrogant, very sure of himself. If you put a little bit of pressure on Gwendozi, he don't like it. It's like he believes that people should stand off him and not tackle him. And it's just a typical French attitude to me because most of the Arsenal squad was like that back in the day. Didn't like to be touched, didn't like to get anywhere near him. Um, I don't like him as a footballer and I'll go on record as saying it because I'm not bothered. I don't like him as a footballer. I think he's an embarrassment to Arsenal Football Club, to be honest. From, from, what, from what they was... 10, 15 years ago to what they are now is a far cry and it's a bit sad really because they are sinking. They're, they've got no direction as a football club. They look lost. They're struggling. Yeah, they are. I mean, if we just go over the predictors, you said 2-1 Arsenal. I said 2-0 Arsenal. Ben said 2-1 to Arsenal and Jack said 1-0 Arsenal. thing is, when we were on about this result, I said to you, I said, I can see Brighton beating them. I said to you, didn't I? I said, I can see Brighton beating Arsenal. Well, I'll be honest, I didn't believe that Brighton had the quality to beat. But Mope, I mean, to score the goal in injury time, he took his goal real well. Um, fair play to Brighton, because they need points as well. Thing they is that, desperately should, need points. Should the, keeper have been, should the keeper have saved it? It's right at his near post. A keeper no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so, because mm. the keeper's in two minds there. Because you never know, with Mope being right-footed, and it was on his left foot, you think, right... Most time, you aim for the biggest part of the goal, so you'll go across the goalkeeper. 
now and then the goalkeeper will get caught at his near post because he's thinking about covering the other side. Um, yeah. That's my opinion on it. I still don't think keepers should be beat at the near post, so I don't. Yeah, I mean, you ask any goalkeeper, you ask Jack, you ask anyone, goalkeeper should never ever be beat at the near post. But that, that's that's my opinion. I don't think it should be. No. Um, but yeah, back onto the Arsenal game. Aubameyang again just did not look no the part. If I was him, I would jump ship quickly. He's not even signed a contract yet. Well, this is the, Arsenal as a football club are just an embarrassment, mate. They don't have any direction at all. They look very lost, and it's a shame really to see a team that was up there were united in the glory days. Arsenal was the one that pushed us to be better every season. Yeah, um, and they're just a shadow of the club and the team that they was at that time, which is pretty sad, really. Thing is, that you had like Man United and Arsenal. And it seems to be like they've swapped, and it's now Liverpool and Man City that are. The well, both club, both clubs have allowed themselves to fall behind, and this is the problem. But City and Liverpool have got plans in place to get better. United and Arsenal have never had that. But do you reckon with the Man United and Arsenal, I think it's to do with the managers? Like with Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger? No, I don't. I don't think Arsenal's was. Man United definitely is. Everybody knows Ferguson was the hardest job in world football to follow. There's no doubt about that. I don't care what club you support or who you are, you can't deny that it's the hardest hardest job in world football is the Man United job because you're expected to win things. Um, probably even more so than Real Madrid and teams like that. But Arsenal was different because they started going downhill while Wenger was still in charge. Yeah, true. Because true. he allowed them to go downhill. Well, he, I, he allowed them to fall behind and this is the problem. I remember going to Arsenal versus Liverpool um, a few years back. I went my stepdad. And Arsenal got fucking battered. They didn't have one shot on target, right? Was it one at five? Four nil. Four it was four nil. nil. It was the game I went to. They had Lacazette on the bench, and they had Sad Kalasinac on the bench, right? Two new signings. He played. I remember watching. He played that. Alex. He played Chamberlain, right back, and he played Hector Bellerin left back, and he had Danny Welbeck up front. Now, please tell me why you'd leave a fifty million pound striker on the bench. You leave a fifteen million pound left back on the bench where you play Alex or Clay Chamberlain there. Don't really please, make sense please explain that to me. It don't, please. No, I can't, you can't explain it because it don't make sense. Um, I just think Arsenal. I don't know what it's going to take for that football club because they're not going to get a major cash injection. Owners, he's owners, mate. Yeah, but I also think that Arteta needs to take some responsibility for what's going on at the minute because. I don't. I, I. I. can't see where Arsenal have improved. I can't. I can't see one area what they've improved. They don't even play the football like Arsenal used to. Sam. They don't even play the Arsenal way. <laughs> they just look all at see sixes and sevens, mate. Honestly, it's like you're trying to put square pegs in. It, it, so you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. What you're you're trying to put square pegs in a round hole and it don't fit, mate. And it's it. It's baffling to see Arsenal like that. But I guess. The only piece, of, the, well, the only people that can change that is Arteta and the uh, and the backroom staff, mate, because they're not going to get any help from the owners. No. Nope. Moving on to the five thirty kickoff on Saturday, West Ham United versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, the one thing I want to say about this game, it all hinged on one substitution, one player that came on, Adama Traore. That completely changed the game. Can you imagine being the left back and seeing him come on as a sub? I'd be like, are you having a laugh? Have a day off, will you? It didn't matter to think that one player can change the game. Well, Wolves look. Wolves play good stuff. We've said that on the on the pod before. They do play good football. It's there for everybody to see, mate. But one thing I will say, he looks like he's added 
the the finishing touch now he's got that cross that passing in whereas before he was just all out pace he didn't really have a lot else to his game he he was built on his speed now he looks like he's added end product to it I mean he, he supplied the two crosses for the goals yeah he, he, you know, he puts in a beautiful ball for him and as his header, and then for the second goal, which was an absolute worldie from Neto. What a left foot volley that was! Fucking smashed it. I, I was dead proud of that one. Honestly, as a left footed player myself, I looked in. That's some technique that <laughs> Fabian didn't even move. Well, he didn't have chance to. The ball was past him before he had chance to move. I mean, what a strike! But Wolves are just going and going and going. And honestly, if they got in the Champions League at a United. I would be bothered, yeah, because I want United to play Champions League football, but I wouldn't begrudge them it because they deserve it. They're a really, really good football club and they're going places as well. If they keep holding Nuno, I genuinely believe they can go probably into the top four. The other thing is they've got to keep the players. They've got to keep trying. Yeah, but this is the problem, isn't it? As a player, you've got to sit down with Nuno and kind of decide what you're going to do and where you're going to go. Um, and kind of give him an indication look are you going to stay if you're not because if someone I don't know say if a Bayern Munich comes in for Traore he's going to go isn't he but if he sits down and thinks right what are Wolves building here what's the manager like with me do I want to leave the area things like this that can all play a part mate it's not just oh they've bidded that I'm getting this much a week see you later I'm off it doesn't work like that he might have a family that's settled where he is now you never know do you yeah but it, as you say, as you rightly say, it, it all depends and it hinges on what happens, really, with Nuno, I think. Because he's the one that's got them where they are now. I mean, they play some brilliant football. And just quickly on the predictor results, you said 3-1 Wolves. I said 2-1 Wolves. Ben said 3-1 Wolves. And Jack said 2-2 draw. He was the closest then. Yeah, I was one goal off, mate. Um, I fancied West Ham to score, but, well, the less I say about West Ham, the better, because they were piss poor. Um, Not a lot really else to say on that game, because it was really Traore that changed it when he came on as a sub. Um, Worrying times for West Ham, mate. Worrying times. Definitely. Moving on to the 7.45 kickoff on Saturday, the last game of the evening, Bournemouth against Crystal Palace. Now, I went for a 1-0 Bournemouth winning this. How wrong I was. They was awful. Crystal Palace were very, very good, like very well organised. Typical Roy Hodgson team. Yeah. I was just shocked that Bournemouth were so bad. I didn't realise just how bad they've got. From the football that they play, they don't even look that team anymore. Eddie Howe is struggling. And he admits I, it. He, he told it. You know, he admitted it in an interview, Sam. He's struggling. I reckon Bournemouth could be down there this season. I, I think, really I think they're going to go down. Going. I, I do genuinely now, think that. Now I've watched them, I generally think it could be them, them Villa and Bournemouth to go down. And yeah. them Norwich and Villa to go down. It wouldn't surprise because me. Because they were horrendous. Bournemouth was not good no, at all. Palace. I mean, Crystal Palace, I've got, to give, I've got to give praise to Palace because I watched the game with my granddad. And Crystal Palace looked a very capable side and very strong I mean to be fair when you look at the spine of their team they've got James MacArthur in centre midfield with um, Kuate Milivojevic Luka Milivojevic they've got Cahill and Scott down at centre half very solid you've got Ben Teckers down the middle Zaha yeah Zaha um, Jordan Ayo Jordan Ayo it's a very to be fair Palace don't get as much credit as they should really because they're a pretty strong unit Um, I think I do genuinely believe they're better than people give them credit for 
and they do play some good stuff at times. Uh, Bournemouth, on the other hand, are well, they're falling, aren't they? They're falling very quickly. Yes, they are, mate. Have we gone over the predictor results for them? We haven't, have we? No. So you said 1-1 draw. I said a 1-0 Bournemouth win, funnily enough. Ben said 2-0 Bournemouth and Jack said 3-1 Palace. So Jack was the closest one, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, worrying times for Bournemouth, to be quite honest. Um, Shall we get on to the next one? Yeah, yeah. Good, mate. Sunday, 2 o'clock kick-off. Toonami. Your boys, Newcastle United versus Sheffield United. Would you like to take the floor? If I'm honest, mate, I didn't even see his result coming. No, this did? is who one did? result. This did? is one result. I did. The, the worst thing is I even backed Sheffield United to win this game because I generally thought Sheffield United would have won this game. We just we absolutely outran them all game. I haven't seen a Sheffield United side in the Premier League like that for a long time. They were piss poor on Sunday. There was the exact same on Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, we were, we were, we were, well, I won't say we were good, like, but we, we, we were a lot better than Sheffield United. I mean, fair play to Joe Linton, who finally scored, but we're going to have to talk about the miss. What was going on with that miss? Um, to be quite honest with you, Sam, um, I f- you know my thoughts on Joelin and I feel for him, mate. I do. I feel for you was on about Joe Linton, right? I just feel for him, mate. I do because he, he's he's clearly a striker that um, he's lacking confidence. Well, yeah, I mean it's 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 plainly obvious to see into. He's just lacking so much confidence. I mean, fair play to him. He scored. Fair no, play he to did, him. and to be fair to him, he got in the box. The first thing he did was lay the ball off, and as a striker, the first thing he taught, get yourself in the box with the chance to score a goal. He gets himself in the six-yard box, scores a tapping. Yeah. And, and and Steve Bruce, to be fair, look, Steve Bruce has always stuck by him, and that's one thing I'll give him credit for. He gives for. him his chance. He yeah, he does. And now, I, I, I just want him to kick on, mate. Yeah. I want him to be that number nine for Newcastle that people can look at and say he's going to get us 15, 20 a year. Because yeah. he could do that. I think he just needs a bit of confidence. It's no good a cup game here and there where he scores against Oxford and then don't score for six games. It needs to be consistent. I think what he needs, he needs someone like Shearer to come in and just tell him, look, you are playing for a club with a massive fan base and if you don't score, mate, you are going to you're going to know about it. Well, he's going to find out pretty quickly. Yeah, that otherwise, you're going to be out like door, mate, and we're going to bring someone else in. Yeah. But um, going back to the game, Sheffield United, they, was awful. they were a poor. Oli Norwood, mate, was... Some of the passes he was pulling off was... Chris, I heard Chris Wilder shout to him, what the fuck are you doing? You heard it. You could, you could hear it as clear as day. He screamed at him. He was, he was poor, Oli Norwood. Yeah, um, he was poor. And usually he's Mr. Reliable for Sheffield yeah. United in the middle of the park. Everybody at Sheffield, I listened to Billy Sharp and that in the, during the lockdown when they wasn't playing, saying, oh, we're buzzing, we're ready to go. They don't look, they, they, don't look, look, they, they look anything but ready yeah. to go. The last two games, they've been awful. And yet you can say what you want about the Villa game, but at the end of the day, that was the only thing that they had going for them in the game. They mm-hmm. didn't look like winning, apart from that goal. I mean, 
we'll go on to the yellow card, the, the red card. The first yellow card come from nothing. It was Joel Linton and John Egan were just. It, it's like what Chris Wilder said. They put head to head to each other. They pushed each other. Back in the day, you're gonna go away with it. Nowadays, you you know you're going in the book if you do it. And I don't. I, it baffles me why you'd even do it. And for the red, for the second yellow, it's. I don't even support Sheffield United and. To see that, you're literally pulling your hair out thinking, why are you doing that? You are the last man. Do not even... Oh, I can't, mate. That's they, what, say that's take one for the, they say take one for the team, but it doesn't mean take one for the team when you're on a yellow card. And especially when you're playing three at the back as well, because Wild had to change it. I know. He did. I know. And I felt sorry for Sheffield They look worse when he had to change yeah. it, because Sheffield United play a lot better as a three. I mean, the goal scorers... Um, Seth Maximum got the first one, Richie got the second, and Joe Linton got the third. Mm. Seth Maxman, mate, was somewhat special. I texted you straight away in the first yeah. half. I said, he, he wasn't... He, he, little flashes of brilliance. It's, it's what it is with Saint Maximin. He... It can be he, really quiet one minute and then the next it, minute... It's little flashes of brilliance. And honestly, I wish there was a crowd there to see some of the stuff that he did. Uh, you know, and appreciate what he did on Sunday. Because the, the kid is... I don't think people realise just how good he actually is. And... He's exactly the kind of player that Newcastle need. Someone to get the Geordie lads on the feet. Do you know what I mean? Get them on the feet, get them shouting, get them chanting, give them something to shout about. He's loved at Newcastle, mate. You ask any Newcastle fan, he's adored at Newcastle. Well, the the thing is, they they haven't got a choice but to love him, Sam. Because look at the guy, look at the kid, he's talented. He's He's got more talent in his left finger than most people have in their entire body. The guy is a born footballer. I mean, he's a born athlete as well. If you look at the, the, the speed of him and the way that he changes directions, he reminds me of a bloody slalom skier. Yeah. You know, his knees will be knackered when he's older. Because, I mean, honestly, that's what he reminds me of. Yeah. I mean, John Joe Shelby, mate, he would pull in the sticks as well for us. Well, I, I said to you in the first half, didn't I? I texted you and said Shelby and St. Maximan. He was my man the match as it, as it stood and then St. Maximan just second half was... Untouchable. Yeah, he made him look pretty stupid at times. He can do that to people, though. He, yeah. he'll, he'll do that to many others as well. Yeah, well mate, you Very good. Cool. Um, getting on to the predictor, you said 2 0 Sheffield United. Thing is, mate, with a Sheffield United team like that, we we were in the best of form, but I had to back them because I thought Sheffield United would have won. How wrong I was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look. They, they've been poor since the restart Newcastle with a brilliant win though I mean I said 1-0 Sheffield United Ben said 3-1 Sheffield United and Jack said 2-0 Sheffield we was all wrong big result that for us as well yeah big big, big, big result. result yeah setting you up pretty well for the next game I mean we've got Villa tonight mm, definitely um, moving on to the Sunday game 4.15 kick-off, Aston Villa versus Chelsea. And I picked up another point here. You did, mate. You said 3-1 to Chelsea. I said 2-1 Chelsea. And if you look at the... We've actually got the paper in front of us. And I actually wrote 2-0 and then scribbled it out and went for 2-1. You did. Because I thought, no, because I can see Villa scoring. And when when I saw the first goal go in for Villa I thought Chelsea is still going to win this because Chelsea won't great but I thought they can score because Villa just can't stop conceding and I thought Chelsea have always got a chance here and when they scored the first when Pulisic scored the equaliser I thought they're going to win this 
Pulisic, Pulisic made a difference when he come on. Yeah, he did. It gives him a bit more pace and a bit more direct, like direct approach. You know what I mean? The thing is, though, like Villa, Villa scored, and it was like, all right, then come out, Austin. We've scored. Now it's time for you to come score. Villa may. I can't even point to words about Aston Villa because they were. I don't know, mate. The thing is, they were really good the first five, ten minutes when they scored. After they scored, sorry. And then it was like half time they went in, come out second half, Pulisic come on, and Chelsea just ran right against them. Yeah, I think Chelsea. I still think they're a long way away, Chelsea, from being a top, top team in the Premier League. I still think they're a long way away. But they did look good, and to come back from two, to come back from a goal down, and I thought Giroud played well as well. Yeah, he did. He he does not get enough credit, that guy. I, I swear to God, he'll go to the grave as one of the most underrated strikers that we've had in the. Because you look at his goal scoring record; he's actually got a really good record. Yeah. It's just he doesn't get because of the type of player he is. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. If he was like an Henri, people would be singing his praises from Monday to Sunday. Do you know what I mean? And it's just. It's a shame, really, that he doesn't get the credit he deserves because I actually think he's a really handy footballer. My granddad's a big, big Giroud fan because he said he, he does everything that you want a team, a striker to do for your team. Um, I mean, Ben said 2-0 to Chelsea and Jack said 2-0 to Chelsea and you said 3-1 and I was the only one that got that right. But yeah. that could have gone any other way, mate, could to on. tell you the truth. And Chelsea, that's a big win as well for them chasing Champions League football. That's a big win for them. Yeah, big definitely. big win. I mean, Chelsea were outstanding in the second half, especially when Pulisic came on. Yeah, they was good. I do like Pulisic. I was a bit gutted when he left Dortmund, to be honest, because I thought he's better than that. Do you know what I mean? It's like he'd almost fell out of favour a little bit. I mean, he come through as a sixteen-year-old, and everyone was like, they used to call him the American Dream. Yeah, because you know, like the way he was playing at that tender age to be holding your own in men's football and playing in the Dortmund team right up until you left. It was a shame to see him kind of fade out of the team, really. I think he'd kind of fell out with Tuchel at the time. Uh, and then, obviously, Favre comes in. But, um, yeah, big, big uh, things on the horizon for Chelsea, I think. And one of the listeners, Mike, I'm sure he'll be happy for me to turn around because he was slating me, saying I was slagging Chelsea off. So, there you go, Mike. There's my bit for you. Um do you want to move on to the next one? Uh, yeah. Uh, seven o'clock game on Sunday. Everton versus Liverpool. What a boring game this was. Um, I nearly fell asleep. I did. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Was I was so boring. I was this close to falling asleep. It was a very poor game of football. Yeah. And to be fair, Everton should have won it as well. Yeah, they should have. Um Right at the end, they should have won that game. It was awful, mate. I'll be honest, I did not enjoy watching it at all. I thought it was very poor from both teams as well. Everton looked very defensive and they were disciplined and they looked good defensively. But Liverpool, going forward, you could tell how much they missed Robertson and Salah. But this goes to prove a point for me because people have been waxing lyrical about Liverpool all year and look, they've been brilliant and they deserve to win the league, right? So I will say that before I go anywhere else. But, and I say but in capitals and underlined, you take two players out of that team. Now, you, I'll, I'll finish my point in a minute. Two players out of that team, they look no, they look clueless at times because they didn't have Robbo's overlapping runs on the left and Salah wasn't cutting into the channels on the right-hand side, right? 
Now you tell me, you go back at Premier League winners and you look at a team that's so reliant on two players. So you're telling me, right, the Man City team. So Kevin De Bruyne didn't play for pretty much the majority of last season, right? And, 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 and same with, I know they haven't won the league this year, but Sane this year. De Bruyne didn't play for pretty much the whole of last season. City still won the league, yeah? They still find a way because they've got quality right throughout the squad. You take Salah out of that team, or Robertson. I mean, there was playing James Milner at left-back to start with, and then he went off injured. You tell me how they rank against the other teams when they take two players out and they look bloody awful. Things though, right? I don't get it because Salah was on the bench. Like, why? I don't understand why they brought Origi on. Why would you bring Salah on? If you want to win a league, why are you bringing Origi on when you've got Salah on the bench? Like, unless there was something wrong with Salah, which then fair enough. Yeah, but why would you leave him? But if, why if, would if you, you put were, him on the bench? If he was injured, why would you leave him on the bench? Yeah, exactly. But this is what I'm trying to say to you, right? You go back at the teams that have won the Premier League in recent history, right? So, and, and Chelsea being a really good example, yeah? So you take, I don't know, say someone like John Terry and Fabregas at the time, right? When they won the Premier League, you take them out of that team, they've still got quality to step in. Someone that can do just as good a job as them two. Liverpool looked so average without them two players. And more, me, for more, it was Robertson, for me, that I noticed more than Salah. It was Robertson. I mean, when because Joe... he gives them that width, and he gives them he's he's playing almost like an inside left forward. Because when he, when Liverpool have got the ball, he's pushed so high up the pitch. Me and my granddad have been saying this forever and a day. If you stop them two fullbacks going forward for Liverpool, you stop half their game. That's how they play football because the two fullbacks are so high up the pitch. Yeah, all you need is a good counter-attacking team to nick the ball back. They're gone. They'll never get back. And this is what annoys me. Nobody seems to lay a glove on Liverpool. It's and like, I can't understand it. It's like what me and you were saying about Joe Gomez as well. When he came on, he was he looked like a fish out of water. At times at, he did. At, at left back he did, didn't he? Like, because yeah, he like, the day, the kid's playing left back. Do you know what yeah, I mean? He should the, have even been put in that position in the no, first place. Not. No, I agree with what you're I, I know, look. Because of what happened in the game when Matic going off injured and Milner going off, Lovering come on, and obviously Robertson not playing in the first place, Lovering comes on, and oh, uh-huh. even Carragher was like, "The guy just cannot resist going into a tackle. He can't resist. He feels like he needs to win the ball every single time." <laughs> We've got a little Snapchat group, and Jack and Ben put, "Oh fuck's sake, we're in trouble now." But um, no, ball draw. Yeah, it was a boring game, shit game. I think the fans would have made a massive difference in that game, but yeah, probably. But, um, no. I mean, on the predictor results, you said 1-1 one, one draw. I, I said, said a draw, though, didn't I? I did I say said it was going to be a draw. I said a 2-1 Liverpool win. Ben and Jack, who were both Liverpool fans, they went 3-1 to Liverpool. Uh, ben said that, and Jack went 4-0 Liverpool. I didn't think it had that scoreline at all, to be honest. I didn't, even if the fans were in there, Merseyside Diaries usually aren't three and four goal affairs. No. Not, um, like, not what, like they used to be. Anyway. No, definitely not. But look at the end of the day, mate a game of football that lacked a lot of quality and I was quite surprised at Liverpool but it just went to show as I've just said before it just went to show if you take them players out of that team they look nowhere near as good and this is where they're going to come unstuck I think I do believe this is where they're going to come because if they get any injuries to key players I think they're going to struggle I really do and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of Liverpool fans will be jumping out the woodwork and out the council houses I'm only joking but I'm sure the Liverpool fans will be very quick to criticise me, but look, 
I stand by what I say. I don't think Liverpool are the same team without them two players. That's why I'm not saying anything. So let's move on to the Man City game. Mm. Next game, Monday, 8pm kickoff, Manchester City versus Burnley. Discuss. <laughs> Man City was just different gravy. Burnley looked like school kids against Man City. They could not defend for fucking shit. What I want to say, though, before you carry on, Burnley in the first 20 minutes, half hour, looked decent. Until they conceded the first goal, they looked decent. They looked like they could hold their own. They got ripped to pieces. They did. They got ripped to pieces. When the, fir- when the first goal went in, I mean... We'll great, just- great finish from Phil Foden as well. Yeah, we'll just quickly run over the goal scorers. So Phil Foden chips in with two goals. Mares scores two in two minutes. You know, he scored a right foot shot across Nick Pope and then scored the penalty in uh, added time at the end of the first half. And David Silva... Um, completing the scoring for City just to be honest it could have been more as well could have been second half City they have they do have that in them though don't they Yeah. they do have that in them where they could quite easily turn up and beat someone 6-7-8-0 because if they start playing how they can then teams should be worried and that's including Liverpool because well United as well for that matter but I mean look it's just Burnley is safe. Yeah, they've they've done their job. They've they've done all right this year. Sean Dash, you know exactly what you're going to get from a Burnley team. They looked a shadow of themselves though. They didn't look anywhere near the same sort of outfit. The only player that I thought looked decent was Dwight McNeil again. Yeah. Um. Very very credible young footballer. Um. Someone that's come from United Youth Academy. Didn't quite. You know, it wasn't seen he was going to make the grade at Old Trafford, so he decided to leave. Probably the best thing he did, really, because you know I genuinely think a top club's going to look at Dwight McNeil and take him. Might not play every week, but I definitely think he could do a, do a job for somebody. One hundred percent. Manchester City. Um, I think that's pretty much them guaranteed second place now. Really, yeah. I can't see Leicester catching him. I mean, Manchester City are on sixty three points, um, and Leicester are on in third on fifty five. So, you know. With that being said, Leicester, although to be fair, it's not guaranteed that Chelsea are going to finish up fourth. Chelsea could finish third, yeah, because they're only four points behind Leicester. And you'd say out of the two of them that Chelsea are probably going the better at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think Leicester had a, they had a nil-nil draw, didn't they? Was it last night? Yeah. Yeah, um, disappointing really. For how Leicester started the season, you look at them now, I think we've just kind of ran out of steam a bit, but I do think that um, Rodgers, he'll, he'll put it right in the summer. Yeah. But uh, Manchester City, when you look at the amount of goals they've scored this year, they've got a 45 goal difference in you know in their favour, but the amount of goals they've scored is just ridiculous. Like They just put goals away for fun. And you know what you're going to get from a Guardiola team really, and that's the difference, isn't it? Ridiculous. Yeah, it was crazy, mate. Um, so that pretty much rounds up the uh, predictor. It does, mate. For the weekend. I've got one more thing to go on about because <laughs> I put some on Facebook the, the other day about Leeds United. I put, looks like Leeds United have fallen apart again. And Mr. Paxson mentioned me and he said, don't say anything in the podcast. So I'm going to say it. So here we are, Mr. Paxson. <laughs> What the fuck happened to Leeds? Leeds. 
Leeds are falling apart again. They were fucking shocking. Now look, they? right, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I hope Leeds come up this year, but you can't help but you can't help but have a laugh at Leeds, can the you? The thing is, mate, it's it's the same again, it's happening to him again. It seems to be the second part of the season when Leeds seem to just fucking go down. Yeah, but don't forget, Sam, they have just been on a three, four month layoff and it was their first game back. Yeah, but it was Cardiff's first game back as well, mate. Yeah, it's I know. Not, it's not yeah, an excuse. I know, but you've, yeah, but you've got to you've got to understand things. You can't always look at things like based on the team that's on paper and who they're playing. Sam, at the end of the day, both teams. If if like Leeds didn't start the game very well because I watched bits of it. No, I didn't. Mate. Cardiff was on the front foot. Leeds wasn't. That could happen in any game of football, Sam. It can happen in any game of football in any part of the world. It doesn't matter where you are. That can happen. It can happen in Sunday League. Leeds just wasn't at the races. No. Leeds, up, Leeds, if they didn't go up, they'd play another three games like that next season where they didn't turn up and they get beat. I still that's think, championship football, mate. I still think they'll go up, though. I still think Leeds are strong yeah, enough. Yeah, that's, but that's what I was going to get on to, yeah. mate, honestly. I still, think, I still think they're strong enough to go up. That's, especially with the team they've got as well. I mean, Leeds are on 71 points. Um, after 38 games, they've got 71 points. They've won 21, drawn 8, lost 9. Right? Now, West Brom, they've played 38, won 19, but drawn 14 games and lost 5. So there it says it there. Leeds might have lost more games, they've also won more and drawn less. Yeah. So, and they're both sitting on the same amount of points. Although what I will say, Leeds got handed a very big slice of luck with Brentford winning away at Fulham on Saturday dinner time. They got handed a huge slice of luck there. Brentford... By the way, I was one of them that was pulling for them to go up. I still am. I'd love to see Brentford in the Premier League because I genuinely... They'd concede a lot. Oh, my God, they'd concede a lot. But I tell you what, you'd get entertaining football. Yeah. You'd get your money's worth if you went down to new ground. Yeah, I'd say that with new ground as well. I just think they've got a really good setup going on, mate. I genuinely believe that. I think Brentford, probably not now, but in the next couple of years, I do believe the setup for Premier League football... Um, obviously depends on what happens with the players but when you've got people like Ollie Watkins Ben Rama and Buemo you're not going to keep hold of them for no. long um, teams going to come in from yeah it's a shame really but it happens at any club below the top level clubs they're all going to suffer the same thing really I, I wouldn't go as far as saying Leeds are falling apart I mean I know I have a laugh and a joke with Leeds fans pretty much every day but there's still seven points in front of Fulham. Like you, I would find it hard to make a case for Fulham getting second. That's what Leeds' next game is as well, Fulham. Oh, God. Away from home as well, isn't it? Um, I'm going to say yes. I think it is. It's on Saturday. I think it is. Oh, no, no. No, it's not. I think it's Ellen Road. No, but... Uh, no, 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 actually, yeah, it I probably, think it is Ellen Road. It probably will be at Ellen Road because they played away, didn't they, at Cardiff? Um, you yeah, me now. I'm sure they played. Yeah, it does, it, well, it does, Sam, because you usually alternate. You play one away game and then a home game. It's usually how it works. But I'm sure Leeds are at home. Yeah, Leeds are at home. Yeah, it's on Sky, three o'clock kickoff. Mm. And Preston versus Cardiff at 12.30. Mm. But I, I still think Leeds are going to go up, and I hope they do as well. A big game, by the way, on Friday night, Brentford versus West Brom. That's that's the biggest game for me of the weekend, yeah. apart from Leeds Fulham. But Brentford for me are pushing, and if they put a few wins together, they could actually catch Leeds. Um, if they beat, well, it's going to be tough though because West Brom are a, a good side under Billich. Um, they deserve to be where they are. But yeah, 
I think Leeds, I still, I still think they'll go up, and I hope they do, to be honest. I hope they do. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. Um, that wraps up the podcast then, guys. Yeah. Like Reece said at the start of the podcast, make sure you go over to Six Media. Go check it out. Um, all that good stuff. Yeah, go check out Gareth Morgan's business, sixmedia.co.uk. Uh, doing a lot of work with local businesses around our area, giving them a little bit of a spruce up with logos and banners and generally making the marketing better. Yeah. So if you want to go check that out, guys, that would be fantastic. He is our sponsor now. So, yeah, if you've uh, got nothing else to add, mate. No, I think we can end it there, mate. Nah. So, um, yeah, until next time, guys, look after your sons, take care, stay safe, and uh, au revoir. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much.